yourself as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. I just wanted to say hi to a listener all the way from Naples, Florida. I think in the uh, lingo, she's a first-time caller, a long-time listener. But uh, hello to Suzanne down in Naples, and thank you for listening. And really appreciate you reaching out and letting me know that you enjoy these episodes. So it's great to hear the feedback, and uh, thanks again for taking the time. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. Wanted to give you a heads up that this episode is going to get very nerdy and very granular with respect to coffee. But even though it's audio and you can't see what's going on, and sadly you're not drinking any of this amazing coffee, I like the descriptions, the process, the history of coffee, and um, you can probably skip if you're getting sick of it at, yes, the almost uh, hour and a half mark. But uh, I loved this episode with Kevin and Q-Grade Coffee because it taught me something and taught me about coffee and how to make it. And it's something I've mentioned several times uh, during his flavor profiling that I didn't think I could ever make a decent cup of coffee at home. So uh, enjoy and uh, maybe save this episode for a Saturday or Sunday morning when you can brew up a cup of coffee. Uh, but again, enjoy this episode with Kevin and the flavor profiling from Q Grade Coffee. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Matt Sodnikar. I am here in Monument, Colorado with longtime friend, top two Mykoski brother. <laughs> you know, there's three of us. I know. <laughs> I haven't met the third one, so maybe he's the best out of all three. But I would, yeah, that's a topic. I'd vote on him. He's okay. Great. He's like uh, what's Peyton Manning's brother, the one that didn't make it. Eli, Eli. Oh, the, the one, one that's the uh, accountant or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think he's actually a really successful accountant. I think so. Just say that he hadn't made it. I think might be a little. That's bit true. It, as a football player. He, well, we know he's got zero Super Bowl rings, but zero. Uh, anyway, uh, founder of Q Grade Coffee, and with that, Kevin, welcome. Thanks for making the time, brother. Thanks for coming and talking to me about coffee. <laughs> so, take me through the origins of Q Grade and your coffee journey. Sure. Um, I really like coffee. I actually also really like wine and whiskey and beer. I used to own a brewery. Um, my younger brother, who's been on your show, Craig. Twice. Twice. <laughs> was a master brewer. Actually has a master's in brewing from the Weinsteppen Institute in Germany. And um, between us and just between friends, and I spent a lot of friends that just like food and travel internationally, like coffee has kind of, just been one of the things that I'm interested in. I just like flavor. Uh, but one of the things that occurred to me as my own coffee 
setup in my house became more and more elaborate and more and more silly. Uh, and I do more and more research about which piece of coffee equipment, but I realize that for one, I, I have a lot of knowledge about coffee and coffee equipment just in my head because I'm an over researcher in the first place. And, uh, most of my friends drink shitty coffee and not most of my friends. When I say friends, this is like the Royal we like most people drink shitty coffee and they drink it often and they start their day with it. And this is how they leave. This is how they get up in the morning. They start their day. And it's like starting up in the morning and saying, Hey honey, will you please just slap me across the face instead of giving <laughs> me a kiss? I mean like why not start your day off with a good cup of coffee and um, and why not? There's there's all the other why nots that come with that, and so uh, I st- I had a few friends that you know asked me to come talk to them about coffee and and help them out to set stuff up, and I started to think, well, I have all this stuff in my head. Why don't Why don't I just go ahead and uh, let other people know about it? And uh, it was also for me a way to focus some of my inner demons. I'm a, I'm not an obsessive compulsive diagnosed. I don't, I don't have like hand washing. I don't have things. I, I am very obsessive about researching things. So like before I buy paper towels, I look through the consumer reports and I check who has the best value to soakage ratios. And I check multiple websites and I talk to multiple people and I figure it out. Which paper towel is the best paper towel in the market for me? So where do you think that came from? I don't know. Uh, part of it, maybe my background just as a student. I um, I, just, I love learning and I liked, I actually like college and I like lectures. And I keep going back. I keep going back. I'm going for my second master's degree. And, uh, this is your second? Yeah, I didn't finish the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but I okay. went. So this is the second time I started grad school. Gotcha. I, while I started my first uh, graduate degree, I started a, a medical business, and that kind of took over my life and changed my career path too, and ended up going that way. But um, I don't know where the research. I don't know. Just I like science and I like learning, and the research side probably has more nefarious things, control, and um. It's probably like a control issue. Like I want to make sure that I'm in total control of my environment, which is, you know, completely obtainable (laughs) (laughs) on some planet, but not ours. Um, So anyway, I like doing the research too. And it's the same with with you and bikes. Um, I'm a big bike guy too, a big cyclist. And I have a lot of friends that want to get into riding bikes and they call me and say, hey, what kind of bike should I buy? And then my first initial thought is, oh, sweet. I get to go buy a bike with somebody else's money. <laughs> and so, oh, I get to research bikes and I get to scour through Craigslist and find bikes. And like, and, and uh, for me, this, you know, my friends will come back and say, hey, thanks for doing all that for me. I was like, believe me, you're just doing me a favor. Let me focus my, my obsession on something for a minute. And so. So is it calming? Is that research calming then? It, it really is. Um, the the research about it pretty calming being able to have answers for people without having to research is also kind of calming like i don't have the the nerve-wracking you know position to say i don't know 
there's, I mean, there are some, I mean, there's obviously, I have a lot to learn about coffee. I have a lot to learn about everything, but, uh, you know, for the, for the most part, if somebody goes, well, if I want to spend this much time in the morning, I have this much money to spend on a coffee machine and this is the kind of coffee I like, what should I get? And I know what to tell them. And so I'd say that that's kind of soothing to, to be in that kind of control for me. And in the, in really in the end, what I, what I thought was going to turn into like consulting for buying equipment, when I started sitting down and doing flavor profiles with people, um, I started learning something totally new. And it's that the research is soothing, but what's really, really, really fantastic and why I do this is because for the next two hours, you and I are going to sit here and sit face-to-face and talk about something without any kind of interruption. You get to know so much about people from what they're, what they like to taste too, where they've been, where they've traveled, uh, how they eat at home, what kind of time and energy they spend on um, superfluous things like crazy coffee machines or or if they travel all over the world. And, and the, a lot of times flavors just remind people of places they've been. And, and uh, this whole process started off as this research project to figure out what kind of equipment people should have. When it's really turning into more of an art project where I'm actually like painting a portrait of someone mm-hmm. with their flavor experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> and that's fun. that's what I'm excited about for this <clears throat> episode. And that's what I've always loved about this podcast. Quite honestly, I could care less if anybody listens. But at the end of Is it... Is anyone listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm nervous. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, there's actually people like, like Craig's episode, for example, right? I uploaded it so he could share it, but I didn't publicize it. And the next morning, six people had already found it. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's not, you know, Tim Ferriss numbers or anything, but I'm not making fun of you. No, I, uh, I was, I'm just as surprised as you are <laughs> quite honestly. But, um, this is cool because we're actually, you know, once we get into the history of, uh, you and some of your fascinating stories we're going to be doing a flavor profile live on disc and yeah i'm really excited about this so me uh, too i'm really excited to know your flavor palette more intimately yeah yeah (laughs) so we we talked about this being probably my first multimedia podcast with uh, photo heavy and also some videos and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then also like an activity mixed in the middle of it. So that's very, very cool. It is. Are you editing? Like if I'm walking back and forth, are you cutting this out or do I need to explain to people what I'm, what I'm doing? That's Cole's problem. I don't. So what I'm doing now (laughs) Uh, what Matt's going to have here, he probably expected to have a cup of coffee. And he will in like an hour. Right now, I'm chopping up chocolate. And I've already chopped up lots of fruits and vegetables. And they're sitting on a plate in a an order that makes a lot of sense to me and no sense to anyone else. And what's the chart you're referring to? So I, there's, there's two different charts that... Um, coffee people kind of refer to when they're trying to add word, you know, like flavor words to what they're tasting. 
Uh, the newest one is the most comprehensive, and it's Counterculture's uh, Taster's Flavor Wheel. Counterculture's doing a lot, a lot of cool stuff with um, coffee, science, and research. They're kind of, they're kind of a uh, on that hipster wave of coffee, like third wave coffee. Uh, I, I I interchange those pretty extensively because it's pretty easy to tell a hipster coffee shop um, and a hipster coffee shop is a third wave coffee shop. So uh, I guess I can explain those things too, but I don't want to get too detailed. What, what I do want to do is talk about flavors and coffee and why good coffee is important and why oh, coffee can be messed up very easily and how it starts up messed up pretty easily and how people can actually start the morning drinking great coffee at home uh, if they have a few pieces of equipment, a few pieces of information. And they can drink coffee that's not just random. They can actually go somewhere, talk to someone, and get coffee that they're going to like. And believe it or not, coffee tastes different from each other. Most people, very, very huge amount of people wouldn't know that coffee's actually regional and different like wines regional and different before we get into that something i wanted to point out is that um i've come across your research capacities and behaviors indirectly and kind of empirically and as we're sitting here you've got a what's the it's a japanese cutting knife yeah it's a it's a shun premiere yeah um so the, the research that you do and what I've noticed about you is that everything's very intentional, but you're not pretentious and snobby about it. Not yet. And <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> but I, I like being around people that are that way, that have a, a mindset different than me. I will get tired of the decision-making process and I will get to close enough, you know, 80%. Like I just don't, I get to the point of diminishing returns and I'm done. And something I've really enjoyed about our friendship is that you'll take it that to that point and then further and further and further, but you're not neurotic about it and you're not a dick about it, which is really kind of cool. Like you could explain everything about that knife and it would be entertaining and fun and educational and not sort of like, Oh, look at my Japanese knife here. And this is why I'm superior. Like, it's just, you, you have this very, um, you're a teacher and I like that. I do, you know, and that's even been in business too. I found myself in my most comfortable places, um, uh, managing people and being relational rather than Gold driven, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like dealing with people, and, and really most of my business and why I do well in business is because I'm relational. Um, but I also like, I like to teach people about stuff. Yeah. That's, I mean, with all this coffee, the knife and my neuroticism and my research and, and all that stuff, I think what you're pointing at is I think that I, w- I want the best thing, right? which isn't necessarily the most expensive thing. One of the problems with getting an MBA and doing marketing research is you realize that in every ad there's a lie. 
<laughs> and, um, and, and so in order to get past all those lies, you have to do your own research and you have to, you know, get hands on with stuff. So, um, yeah, you're about to do some research too. Well, and then I'll get to that. And the last thing I want to talk about, <clears throat> about you personally, at least at this moment is, um, you've always been a very entertaining sales story person. You're, you're a sales <laughs> professional. <laughs> and, um, one of my nicknames at one of my jobs was the velvet hammer. And you're, you know, I would say that you're the, the, the killer cloud. I mean, that's kind of like your philosophy. And I, there's stories you've told me over the years that are just like, if they were told in even related by anybody else with any other character and demeanor, they would come across as somebody being a total asshole, but you're just so chill and so laid back and so respectful that you're just dropping atom bombs on people's desks. And it's just, like I said, it just settles like a feather. And so your sales mentality is something that I always try to keep in mind when I'm talking about sales or conducting sales because you're matter of fact, but you're very polite. You're very respectful, but you're like, I'm the ocean and this is the tide and this is how it goes. And <laughs> that's it. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if people like me and I don't know if I can say that people like me. I mean, I, I think people do, but what I can say is that I'm as straightforward as, possible unless I'm in a situation that requires extreme diplomacy. And um, those times are a little bit more few and far between than people realize. People think they need to be diplomatic all the time. God, is that frustrating, tiring. If you can just, if you can just say what you're thinking in a pleasant way that's not mean to anybody, I mean, like, like in business, God, I mean, there's so much in sales, there's so much negotiation, and usually it's, and let's, let's be honest, negotiation is usually a dick-showing contest. Who's going to get the better deal out of this? <laughs> let's go back and forth. And who's going to, and, and you're like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get my sales guy to cut some more points, or I'm going to get my client to pay some extra percentage points. And, and why not just go to the customer and be like, hey, here's how much it costs. It is how it works. If you want to buy it, this is how much it costs and this is how much it works. And uh, and, and it leaves so much less room for manipulation and lying and running around. And it also, God, it takes longer. I'm an efficiency guy, too. Not just a research. I'm efficient. I want everything That's very to true. be as efficient as possible. I want everything to be automated and efficient. And if you're negotiating, going back and forth, you could t- turn a... You know, one week sale into a six month sale going back and forth. So just don't mess with percent. Don't mess with these special discounts. Just tell people how much things cost and tell them if you want to get the price down, I can do that. And these are the things you're going to have to give up and just like put it in an email form so that both of you can always refer back to it. I love that stuff, but unfortunately I'm in the medical business and, and you know, the whole business is turned over on its head and yeah. Uh, strange and requires a little bit more diplomacy than I would like to 
use sometimes. <laughs> well, we'll do a sales episode with you, but now do I get two episodes to also. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, <laughs> we're kind of top heavy kinda on my Koskis. Kind of jealous that Craig got two, and I'm only getting yeah. one. Uh, and uh, do me a favor, you got to tell Blake that we're full of my Koskis. So he actually called me earlier and was just like, "Can I get on Matt's show?" <laughs> it's like his, um, you know, uh, what's the What's the deal with Tracy Morgan wanted to get the Emmy, the Oscar, a Tony? Oh, the EGOT. Yeah. EGOT, yeah. So that's basically you're the T in, oh. Blake, in Blake's uh, business journey. Okay. So. Yeah, for those of you, just look up Blake Mykoski. <laughs> you'll figure it out. So anyway, on to coffee. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> on to Blake. Coffee. <laughs> on to coffee. Let's talk about coffee. Um, Are we still going? Or yeah. Are you just taking pictures yeah, of taking my stuff? Pictures. Oh, cool. Uh, here's the deal with coffee. Everybody drinks it. I mean, like, I, my my percentages are going to be way off. I have not done this research, nor I don't know if it's even available. It might be. I'll do research later. You can have a cold fact check for me. Ninety <laughs> percent <laughs> of the world drinks coffee. Uh, in in like ninety percent of their mornings. And out of that 90%, 90% have no idea where the beans come from, how it's made. There's a hand of the cup. And out of out of that 10%, 90% of them know a little bit about coffee. And out of that, nine, only 1% of that knows enough to talk about it. Which is a crazy thing because everybody drinks coffee. So I like learning about it because there's it's like there's no... It, it, for one, it's frustrating because you're like, I want to learn a, bit, a little bit of coffee. Then you look and you're like, there's so much to learn. Uh, there's a lot to learn. There's, there's a lot out there. And for me, kind of the nerdy part, I like this flavor profiling. What I'm trying to do is actually quantify your tongue. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm throwing this into data and spreadsheets and I'm trying to quantify people's flavor profiles, which is just super nerdy and but to have totally a better like experience, though. To have a better experience. And it's not... Snob is, is a funny thing. I think it's the same with beer. It's like... And wine, too. I mean, like, I love wine. I've traveled all over the world drinking wine. I've spent time in Burgundy and lived in Italy for a while and Tuscany. And, and uh, you know, wine, wine, wine. Love it. And I, and I can tell a, an expensive bottle of wine from an inexpensive bottle of wine. I noticed that I didn't say good or bad. A really bad bottle of wine does the same exact thing as a good bottle of wine. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about efficiency here, it's inexpensive and gets you there. Right. Yeah. You, or you can buy a really expensive bottle of wine and you can enjoy it more and it'll, it'll get you there. You get to the same place. So it's, I, I, I was asked a lot during my, um, a lot of my wine stuff. It's like, what's the, what's the best bottle of wine out there? And I always go, find the cheapest one that you like to drink go with it <laughs> and on the flip side if you go down to my basement and look in my closet I have some pretty expensive crazy bottles of wine too but uh, that's my own ego <laughs> I want to I open them up in front of friends and go look what I have it's dusty um, but anyway back to coffee right so everybody drinks it it's very social you go to a coffee shop, you sit. If a friend comes to your house, you offer him a cup of coffee. 
Um, you go to a coffee shop with a friend. And when you say, hey, let's go get coffee, you don't really mean, hey, let's go sit and stare at a cup of coffee. What you really mean is, hey, let's go sit and talk. And especially for guys, we need something to do. Like I'm in a cigar club and there's we're worldwide and people are like, whoa, whoa, why do you guys like cigars so much? We're like, we don't really like them. I mean, like, we like cigars, but... We, we're guys. We need a prop. We need something to do to hang out. We're not, <laughs> girls can just sit on a couch and be like, hey, let's sit and talk to each other. Guys are like, hey, look, you want to go chop some trees down and talk about life? You know, you know we got to have something to do. So coffee is just a social, social thing. Um, and uh, we can be drinking better, probably enjoying it more. And God, I hate to get I, too far into it, but... Because we drink so much coffee, we are responsible for the people that are picking the beans off the bushes. I would agree with that. You're part of that channel. You're part of that channel. And so if you don't know anything about your coffee and you're happy to have your cup of coffee and you don't care what it tastes like and you don't care where it's coming from, you don't care what the blend is or what country it's from or if that country's in strife or that country still uses slavery, because they're still and there's still coffee places that use slavery. Um, they don't call it slavery anymore. It's sharecropping and, you know, they give you enough land, blah, blah, blah. But if you're drinking coffee every day and you're, and you're a decent human being, you should know something about where your coffee's coming from. And so really, and also, not to get political, this is the last political thing I'll say about coffee. Keep your money in your community. Buy coffee from your local roaster. Go to your local coffee shops. I mean, keep keep your money in your community. Those little coffee shops are making great coffee. And even the ones that are, aren't really, really great, they're a lot better than the alternative of drinking it. One of the chains. Um, I'll talk about why the chains have bad coffee in a minute. But keep, keep if you buy a, a cup of coffee for a dollar... At your local coffee shop, five cents, ten cents is going back to Costa Rica or wherever the coffee's coming from, and the other ninety cents is staying in your neighborhood. Oh, and if you get a cup of coffee from a chain, you know, ten cents is going to the kid that's pouring you the cup of coffee, ninety cents is going to Seattle. Or I'm doing air quotes Seattle, maybe somewhere else, right? <laughs> right. But <clears throat> Seattle. Or, and, and, and then, if your money's going to Seattle, how much are they paying those farmers? And no idea. So, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a social responsibility to drink good coffee because you should be, have some sort of knowledge on where your beans come from. So, breaking away from political, I'm going to talk about coffee in four steps. Okay. There's the bean, the coffee bean. Uh, it comes from a cherry. So let's start from cherry. There's a bush that grows and cherries grow on it. Those cherries get picked. Those cherries um, are the skins come off the cherries and the seed that's inside of that cherry is actually the coffee bean. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, if you it, took it, if you ate it right then and there, what would that taste like? The outer skin uh, kind of tastes like a peach. The the fruit part is really 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 thin. It's basically just like a layer protecting the seed. Hmm. That's um, that w- is you're, you're going to be able to taste that today. Hmm. Probably f- maybe for the first time. 
Um, if you know what, what you're looking for, you can actually taste that fruity taste that sits on a seed, depending on how it's processed. If the fruit's actually processed with the seed, there's washed and unwashed or washed and natural processes, which is one of the things you'll see on a bag of coffee. Um, if it's a natural, then the skins have actually been left with the coffee seed as it dries out. Uh, and that all that fruit and skin actually gets sucked into the seed, into the bean basically, and then washes where they basically soak. They soak all the, the cherries and the skins start to get bloated like, you know, you get a pruned fingers. Mm. The skins get bloated and, and split and then that seeds drop and the skins float and they separate them and then the seeds dry without. So that's your cherry. Next thing is the actual coffee bean. So that bean comes from that cherry and it comes from those two processes, washer and wash. And uh, where it's grown, also important. Um, that's down the road. That's 202. Once you have the bean, you have to roast the bean. And that changes things too. It actually changes the chemical compounds. I'm going to pull out, you can't see this in radio land. I'm pulling out a bag of green coffee beans. Hmm. Have you ever had any experience with these? I don't, so I doubt this it. is what a green coffee bean smells like. Put it in your mouth and taste it, but don't bite. It's very hard. Do you think that tastes like coffee? Not really. Not really. No, no, not at all. <clears throat> so most of the flavor from coffee actually comes from the roast. So the roast is really important. Um, different things happen a coffee bean while it's being roasted. Um, it's just like a dry bean. It's just a dry bean. It's like you put it like a like a, a red bean in your mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah. There's no flavor. It's dry. You can spit that out. It's cool. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, eat it. You now you have to eat it. <laughs> so we uh, take the seed. We take the cherry. We pick it from the bush. We dry it out somehow. Let it ferment, and then we roast the bean. Um, light to dark is is just really easy way to explain. Um, there's all different kinds of ways to roast it, but light coffee is generally more bitter and also more caffeinated, and dark coffee is usually more chocolatey but also less caffeinated. It also holds longer. Uh, we'll get to that later too. But that's so that's basically. That, there's your roast. You got your cherry. You process that cherry. You take your bean and you roast it. Now it's a roasted coffee bean. The next thing is grinding that bean. And grinding that bean is a really important part of the process because the next part is water interaction. So um, grinding your bean does two things. One is break down uh, the bean into smaller pieces so there's more surface area for the water to actually interact with the bean. But also, the kind of grinder you use is important here. So this is kind of the first piece of equipment that we're getting to. Blade grinders, which are the cheap grinders that people have at home, like a lot of people have. You dump it on top, and you push down, and it goes, and there's two blades. It looks kind of like a blender. Um, Those blades actually won't create a consistent grind. And so the surface area of all the pieces of coffee are all over the map. And so your coffee is... uh, but water is interacting with coffee at different rates mm. in the same cup. Like surface area, density, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, the other thing <clears throat> with a blade grinder is that 
uh, blades have to spin very fast to cut. I mean, so it actually heats the coffee up. So you take a roasted bean and you're you're basically roasting it again from the friction of, of the blade and how fast it's spinning. So um, the way the ground the coffee's ground is important. So a a uh, a conical disc or sorry the two. I have to do an edit here real quick. My brain's skipping around. Uh, burrs. That's it. Burr grinders. So the the two uh, types of um, grinders are, are blade and burr grinders. Um, burr grinders when you're buying for your house are a little bit more expensive, but what it is is two different discs that have burrs. They're adjustable, and so as they turn, it grinds the bean to a certain size before it drops. So it gives you a consistent grind. So that's really, really important. The other part of the roast and the grind is that it is expiration. Hmm. So, um, and this is another good reason to buy coffee from a local roaster. Uh, From the day that your coffee is roasted... You have about 21 days until it starts to oxidize and go bad. Um, that's no matter what, where you store it. No matter how you store it, um, is, unless you've been able to pull oxygen out, and that's 100% oxygen. Uh, there, once you roast a bean, it actually becomes porous and oxygen gets in there. So I don't, I don't think anybody's figured out how to pull all the oxygen out of anything. Uh, there's processes commercially that pull most of it out, which is better, but still in the end, uh, if 21 days is normal, you know, you're talking about doubling it. So we're talking about a, a month and a half, we're talking about six weeks instead until it starts to oxidize and go bad. So that coffee that I buy at the grocery store and not to pick on anybody, but just for a frame of reference, but that bag of major Dickinson's blend from mm-hmm. Pete's mm-hmm. that, has been there for who knows how long, right? So, so if so, I had it at their roastery versus what I had at their at my house the next day after I buy it, it's going to be completely different. If you had it at the roastery, it, it probably could have been a good bean initially. Most commercial coffees that's they're available in the grocery store have been over roasted in the first place because they hold longer, they, they mm. stay longer. Um, but it's not to say that's bad. Trying to take good and bad out of it. It's just, if you like a really dark roast, yeah. that's that's better. But um, most of the stuff for the grocery store has been roasted at least six months, at least from the time from it goes from their roaster to their distribution facility to their packing facility to the grocery store, whatever that process is, is at least six months, uh, and and a lot of op, and a lot of times, but quite a bit longer than that. Um, if you're talking about twenty one days until oxidation starts. If you have it in the right packaging, you're talking about six weeks. So at the very least, it's four and a half months too old. And you can, and uh, it tastes like, it's a real simple deal. It tastes like wet cardboard. Hmm. That's, or, I mean, there's other things to look for, but if your coffee tastes like wet cardboard, it's oxidized. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so from roasting, it's 21 days. Think about when you grind coffee. Is the next part of the process. Do you know how long it takes to oxidize once it's been ground? I'm going to guess hours. 20 or 30 minutes. 
Really? Yep. So if you buy pre-ground coffee that's been roasted for six months, then ground, you're, the equivalent is it's like drinking coffee that's like six years old. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you have no idea where that co- when you buy coffee at the grocery store that does um, exp- and by the way, expiration dates are silly unless they're three weeks from the day that the coffee's roasted in it. And you, normally you look at a bag at the grocery store and the expiration date's like a year from now. So I don't know. I don't know. It probably, it's probably an FDA rule. I have no idea why. Maybe, maybe it's just for show. But um, ex- once you grind your coffee, you want to make it. Um, using pre-ground coffee is bad. Uh, hold on. Good and bad's out. <laughs> Using pre-ground coffee results in a less flavorful coffee experience. How's that? Better? Very diplomatic. Uh, see? I can be a diplomat. <laughs> so the next thing is introducing water to your coffee. And that's where machines and all the fun stuff come in. Most people that want to do coffee are like, hey, I want coffee because I want one of those cool machines. By the time we get to the machine, we're already... There's already like six ways to screw it up. So you want to buy a machine that fits your budget, fits your counter, fits the time that you want to spend making coffee, uh, aesthetic. There's all these things. And I've done all that research. I know a lot about coffee machines. A lot. (laughs) Like too much. Uh, The smile on your face as you're saying that (laughs) is priceless. If you you ask Jessica, it won't be a smile, it'll be an eye roll, and maybe even a walk out of the room. Um, I've done a lot of research on coffee. Personally, um, I use a 1971 La Pavone, uh, the It's basically the machine that was designed to be the first home espresso machine in Italy, and the design has not changed since. It was, the, I think, 1951. Cole, check on that for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's nothing automatic to it other than I don't have to light a fighter under the heating element. I actually get to plug it in and then yeah. the heating element uh, heats the water up for me. Everything else is manual. Um, but when I make coffee, I, uh, from the time it's ground to the time it hits the machine is, uh, a roughly one to two minutes. Wow. Um, it, it might even be faster than that. I've never timed it, but, uh, and it's not very big. The first time I saw that machine, it's not, it's not no. the big industrial machine. It's you, not much bigger than like a Mr. Coffee in terms of its footprint. Or as far as making a cup of coffee at home, the you, you can make a really great cup of coffee with some really inexpensive things. Um, the machine behind you is a Jura. That's a super automatic. Those things run you know, up to 6,000 bucks plus, um, a La Pavone brand new is about $1,200. Um, and then, uh, there's a, here, you know what this is? Mm-hmm. That's a French press. French right? press. It costs how much? 25, 25, 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, here's one of the loves of my life. The AeroPress. The AeroPress, 25 or 30 bucks. Um, and then there's also 
Another thing your viewers can't see, but I will pull this out as an example. Is that like a old? It's a sock. <laughs> it's like a. Is that a like pour over? Like the precursor to a pour over? Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a. It's a sock on a wooden stand. It's. It's from Costa Rica. It's. Um. That's all it is. It's a sock. Oh, it's beautiful. So. If somebody goes, hey, I'd like to make coffee at home, but it costs too much to make it. I was like, do you have a sock? <laughs> um, so <laughs> leave that out so I can get a picture of that. Okay. <laughs> so the, the pieces of equipment that you need to make coffee at home are wide and varied and also very simple. There's, there's certain things that everything does. But this gets into Q grade and what you're doing. And this so gets into Q grade profile. It's everything you want for your coffee experience is what your consultant Yeah. So when I sit down and have a flavor profile, Matt had to do a, uh, a questionnaire last night. It talks about what he has at home, what his budget is, how much time he wants to spend making his coffee, how much mo- money he wants to spend a month on his coffee, how, uh, what he wants it to look like, all those things. So that gets played into your flavor profile. So for one is finding what your what your flavor is and the next thing is finding out how to get there and that's that's where your equipment comes in there's also more things that with equipment like do you like toys <laughs> i do so like my espresso grinder is really pretty and italian is that the blue one yeah um rencilio is yeah that? and so uh if you're you know, a single dude that lives in a, a in a you know high rise downtown, you probably want a cool looking piece of an Italian machinery. So when people come over, they can go, "Ooh, look at what you have on your counter!" But you can also uh, make coffee with a sock. <laughs> so so it's it's all four things. So the the four pieces of equipment that you need are as follows. You need a scale. Scoops are dumb. If when I talk to somebody about coffee and I say, "How do you make your coffee?" They say, "I put three scoops into something," and I, that's, and I immediately just think, "You need um, to come to Q Grade and talk to me," because we'll do an experiment while we're sitting here. This will be fun. I will get a scoop. I have scoops. To say that I'm. Uh, Anti-scoop is one thing because I have many scoops because a lot of times with coffee, people add a scoop like, hey, thanks for buying this grinder. Here's a scoop. I don't know why, but they do. So we're going to take two different scoops of coffee. This is a um, espresso blend from 8th and Roast in Nashville. As you can see, I'm measuring it out so it's totally flat. Yeah. Yep, some beans going into a little espresso cup yep. on a mm-hmm. digital, okay. what I'll call a Coke scale. So this scoop weighs 7.4 grams. Okay. Scoop number one weighs 7.4 grams. Scoop number two. Um, scoop number two is a, from a, a can of Italy coffee from Italy. Also espresso blend. Does that look level to you? Yep. Look like the same as the other one? 
6.1 grams. Uh, what's the variance there? Uh, 7 or 1.2, 1.4. Is that what it was? And then percentage-wise. Oh, man. I, didn't, <laughs> I took the so, quiz yesterday. So here, <laughs> so here is it. I, I, I don't know. It's 22%. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's high. Yeah. Um, That's a I, huge variance for anything. And that, those are two espresso buns that are, they were roasted similarly. Uh, a scoop and a scoop. A scoops don't matter. You need to weigh your coffee. That's very important. The, the, the ratio of your coffee to water m- might be the most important piece of hmm. your coffee. So when people say, I want to spend $1,000 on a machine, I'm saying, just spend $10 on, on a scale. That's how much they cost. This is a real fancy one, though. It has a timer on it. It costs $20. If anybody wants to, if anybody in the coffee industry has a real fancy one they want to send me so I can trial it, I'll be happy to. (laughs) Um, But I don't, the one, I don't know what else you need. It weighs and at times. But that has the biggest impact on the flavor profile is weighing it. That's the easiest. The easiest. And if you don't start there, you're starting, you're starting with on the wrong foot. So, f- fresh beans that are 21 days or older or younger, excuse me, 21 days or younger. Um, it, the kind of the rule of thumb that I have is if I look at the roast on date at a bag of beans, and if it's it's been more than a week, then I I'll buy a different bag. Um, I uh, go through a lot of coffee, so. <laughs> I mean, I, I give coffee to a lot of people. But so the first step, you need to buy a scale and you need to weigh your coffee. Uh, even if you're using a Mr. Coffee in the end, you need to weigh your coffee. Um, from weight is grind. Uh, grinders can be very expensive as well. Um, and you can get a hand grinder for $15 on eBay. Hmm. That... If you talk to Craig, who has an incredible flavor profile, palate, knows coffee really well too, not just beer, Um, he uses a $15 hand grinder. It does the same thing. Here's efficiency from get to point A to point B. There are two burrs, two discs with burrs that are on top of each other. Instead of using electricity to turn the burrs, you're using your hand. I would really like that. That's what I prefer. I actually, for, for, for my uh, clients that come in and I, and we talk about time and, I, and if it's the right process for them, I tell them to buy a hand grinder and an AeroPress and a, uh, a non-variable kettle so they can really be in control of things and focus on that in the morning. Hmm. For me, I travel a lot for work and my morning routine and doing all these things really grinds, gr- grinds me, grounds me, <laughs> grinds me. So, uh, weigh your coffee. There are a lot of great resources to figure out how much weight to water to ratio to use. And um, I like uh, counterculture stuff. I like Blue Bottle. Basically, here's the deal. There's this new thing called the Internet. And if you just type in what you want, there are 40 different options to click on. Try them all. I don't care. But, But weigh your coffee and weigh your water. Um, from, uh, weighing your coffee to buying and buying good greens, 
grinding your coffee. Uh, if you have a burr grinder, you're in good shape. Um, the big jump in price for all of this stuff is always convenience. So um, if you don't want to drive to your local coffee shop, you can get it delivered. So it'll cost an extra $5. If you don't want to have a scale with a timer on it, you use your iPhone that costs $400. I don't know. Whatever. I have a watch. I have an iPhone. I have a microwave. I have an oven. I have like eight different ways that I can start a timer. Um, heating up your water. Um, that's also a convenience factor. You can buy a kettle at Goodwill for a buck. And you can fill it up with water and put it on your stove and it will heat water up. Exactly the same way that this heats up. I have a variable Cuisinart kettle. It has, you know, different settings for different temperatures. This is kind of mid-range. You can spend $250 on a kettle. They're really cool. They're from Fellows. I want one. But I'm also married and I can't just spend money however <laughs> I want. So uh, it actually has a dial and it dial. It's kind of like a sous vide. Like it dials into the temperature that you want the kettle wow. to be at. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So you have the whole spectrum. Like So right now, as a grand total, we're at $15 for a grinder, yep. $10 for a scale, $25, yep. $1 for a kettle. So we're at $26. Um, how much for a used sock? <laughs> $27. We're at a really great, great cup of coffee and better than you can get at most places. Um, and then you, you start adding things. I mean, there, there's adding convenience. Like, say you don't want the $1 kettle that you have to watch and make sure the temperature is right. Because you don't want it to boil. You want it to be below boiling. So there is some convenience there. You get a electric kettle that's not variable. You know, it's instead of a dollar, it's twenty dollars. And variable kettles start at like forty and work their way up to two fifty. Um, they all do the same thing. They heat up water. It's pretty cool. It's like scales; they all do the same thing. They weigh stuff. Just like grinders; they all do the same thing. They grind beans down. So you don't have to spend a lot of money, but the more time you spend, the less money you spend, or you can spend money and time like I do. Sure. Um, the big, there's a big jump there. So we, we talk about convenience factors. Every convenience factor is a jump. Um, and then the next jump is espresso. If you want espresso, you got to open your pocketbook up. There's no cheap way. There's, there's a thing called a mocha pot. And a lot of people on the internet go, this is a stovetop espresso machine. It's not. It doesn't make espresso. Uh, in order to make espresso, there's another like, you know, the Italians, they have like rules for stuff. Like a DOCG wine, are you familiar with that? No, like, no. See, so DOC and DOCG wines are re government regulated, and there's like 36 checkpoints you have to hit. It's like, is it grown in this region? Is it this grape? Was it aged in this kind of wood? Was it, you know, it goes down that. So um, we're, we're talking about the same thing uh, here, basically. For what was I talking about? Espresso. I started talking about wine. <clears throat> so espresso has uh, has the same deal. It has to be, the water temperature has to be a certain temperature, and it's actually above boiling, which is crazy. That's why it has to be pressurized. And, and then it also, it has to be pre-infused, and it also has to be pressurized through nine bars of pressure. Hmm. If it's not at least nine bars, it's not espresso. 
And so inexpensive espresso machines say it's espresso, but it's pushing through like two or three bars. And it's just not, it's not enough pressure to pull the oils out of the beans. So, um, also grinders, you can get, you can get a burr grinder for, you know, a brand new for like 30 or 40 bucks. It's pretty good. You can get a hand grinder for, you know, 15 bucks. It's pretty good. And that works for French press. That works for aeropress. But you get down to espresso, um, you got to chip in for your, <laughs> and, and, I, and when you get to espresso, that's when coffee nerds like me go, your espresso machine is an accessory to your grinder. <laughs> so see where the, the research and toys come into play now? Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Like, I'm not like, I'm not researching bikes here. I'm researching scales and kettles and grinders and uh, drip pots and all the, all the stuff. So I get to, I get to, anytime I need to go research something, like I'm not, I don't have to sit there and go, hmm, what should I research? I'm just, I can just go at it. So, well, it's like bikes. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. It's like bikes, right? Like people sure. roll up and they look at your rear derailleur and like, oh, you just have like 105 on there. But mm. anybody knows that a similarly equipped frame with that and there's a difference in the wheels that's going to get blown away or the, the better wheels are going to blow that other bike away. So mm -hmm. people look at the wrong things. And so when you talk about the actual thing that makes the coffee or the final step in the coffee making process is the least important thing. And everything upstream of that is more important. It's just, it's comical. <laughs> it's kind of funny, and fascinating. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what makes me faster on my bike. I shave my legs. <laughs> It's supposed to shave like, like three or four seconds off every hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now the math on that—that's <laughs> I don't know. And an arrow helmet. I don't. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to do there. I bought two arrow helmets off of Craigslist for twenty-five bucks. <laughs> Nobody they, should have even. Do they one. fit? A <laughs> uh, one fits. I have an arrow helmet. It just doesn't fit in my head, so it makes it even funnier when I wear it. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Uh, flavor profile. Well, well, let's recap. Okay. Before we get to that. All right. Um, real quick, buy your beans from a local roaster. It's important. It's not just better, but it's important. Get a scale. Scoops are for ice cream. Scales are for coffee. That's your t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Scoops are for ice cream. Scales are for coffee. It's <laughs> good. Um, three. Get the most expensive grinder that you can afford or suffer the consequences. I don't know. It's not necessarily expensive because you can get a hand grinder that works, but uh, you, need to, you, you need to spend more money on your grinder than you think. A blade grinder is a bad idea. A burr grinder is, you know, you can get them new for 40 or 50 bucks. Um, start there. And if you don't want to spend 40 or 50, get a hand grinder, get an inexpensive one. And, um, you'll get real tired of that if you're making coffee for more than one person. Hmm. But, um, I, I like hand grinders. Anyway, get a, get a scale, get a burr grinder that, that, um, is above your budget. <laughs> and, and then the next piece, um, is how you're going to make your coffee and how much time you want to spend on it, what you want your coffee to taste like. 
you have options. You, you've got AeroPress, which I love. Uh, French press, which is ubiquitous everywhere. You can get a French press anywhere. Um, makes good coffee. Uh, you can get a, uh, a sock. You can get a Mr. Coffee. Um, the standard Mr. Coffees uh, are, are really mean to coffee. It's a really like you can buy, you can really can buy great beans, stick them in a Mr. Coffee and make it come out. It tastes like ashtrays. <laughs> um, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And it has to do with that, the surface, uh, surface oh, area of the coffee sure. and, and how the water's hitting the coffee and all this stuff. Um, and, and, uh, so there are options to Mr. Coffee. If you're a person that likes to make a pot of coffee, there's options and, and they're becoming less expensive. Uh, it used to be you had an option that was about 300 bucks, and that was it. And what is that? Uh, it's called a Technovore Mocha Master. Oh. It's an awesome machine if you like to make a, a pot of coffee. It controls the water temperature, and it also has a sprayer on top instead of a spout, and so it basically makes all the coffee wet at the same hmm. speed. But now there's other companies that make um, similar machines. I don't know if I don't know if Technovore lost their patent or... Or people just figured out more efficient ways to do it. But there's three or four other companies that make similar machines that cost less that actually do like added benefits to the Technoform. Um, and if you come to Cute Grade, I'll tell you all about them. I'll help you buy one. <laughs> I don't want to give away all my secrets. Right? <laughs> uh, and then, um, and that's it. You got uh, good coffee. You got you can weigh it. You got a, a thing to make it in. And uh, to me, the real kicker in the end is the mug. <laughs> you can drink out of anything. Yeah, it's kind of the same. I mean, it gets you efficient wise. You can, I mean, you can drink it. You can put it in a bowl and drink it, or cup your hands if it's you know you you have Jacques Pepin hands that don't feel heat anymore. Um, but I love drinking out of a good mug. Yeah. And there's another way to support your local people. Go to the local art co-op and go buy hand-thrown mugs. Man, they're cool. They're not terribly expensive. It supports somebody who's doing something they're passionate about. Um, I only drink tea out of that mug that you and Jess gave me, that hand-thrown mug that's got oh, yeah? uh, Saranac on it or oh, something. Oh, yeah, the Young Life mug, yeah. Saranac Lake yeah. on it, yeah. 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 Nobody else touches it. It only has tea. That's a good tea mug. Yeah, and, and they've the hand thrown ones have thicker walls, and they usually have that thing on on the top to put your thumb. And mm-hmm. and I've got one that I just got recently. Feel how this feels in your hand. I don't know what. There's something special about the way that feels. And you can put your thumb right there when you're holding on to it. Yeah, that's ah, good. It has a bike on it. <laughs> So, I mean, there's something about what you're drinking out of, too. And so, I mean, like sometimes the coffee experience is drinking your coffee on the way to work. Um, and so, you know, get a mug that fits in your thing that keeps your coffee warm. But also, you can avoid things like metal that are reactive that can act with the coffee and change the flavor. Uh, there's some great porcelain travel mugs that are sturdy. Um, there's also stuff that's like BPA, double walled that, uh, you know, will keep your coffee flavor and won't screw with it. I, I like the idea of the metal mugs because it retains the heat, but 
Um, it does mess with the, the flavor of the coffee. Hmm. Um, anyway, to mug. So we went from uh, cherry to mug, right? Okay. Good. Do you have any questions about any of this stuff? No. Great. Because I, I don't have anything else to talk about. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, we can, we can start tasting things and, yeah. um, we can do a flavor profile and, um, in the end, I'm going to make you a little bit of coffee. Love it. And, um, what we're going to be focusing on rather than good or bad is we're going to be focusing on the things that you taste and the things that you feel. Um, you know, the, the, your scent, you know, what the sense is it's most connected to your memory. Is your olfactory sense? The sense of smell, yeah. Sense of smell. Taste is second. Hmm. And they're very connected. And some of the things that we're going to actually be, um, you're going to be tasting and smelling. I mean, they they usually go hand in hand. So um, you're going to be talking to me about things you remember from being a kid or last week or whatever. Um, That's going to be part of this too, so. Cool. Um, I'm going to get to know you. A little more intimately. <laughs> Apart from being naked in your hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> and other places, too, I guess. Well, that's true. Huh? Yeah. Um, okay, so... This starts the flavor profile experience. This, yeah, this starts it. Some, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out ahead of time. Some of it's going to be muted. You're not going to get out in radio world or internet world. Is there a radio <laughs> world in On the internet world, I don't want you to know what I'm doing over here. I want you to come and do it. With all right. Me. I want you to spend two hours with me, talk about coffee, do all this stuff. But we'll, uh, we'll get some of it. We'll get some of it. And you'll kind this of will be broad strokes. Yeah. Because everybody's flavor profile is different. I need to go get my notepad. Okay. So uh, cue up uh, some. A commercial. Yeah, commercial. Go to commercial. <laughs> So at this point, uh, Kevin had set out a plate for me of fruits and vegetables and chocolates to taste. And it included, I'm looking at the photo right now, some strawberries, apricots, apples, a couple kinds of apples, some uh, snap peas, several kinds of chocolate, which were my favorite. But I will save you listening to me eat and rate food for a half an hour but it was cool because i got to compare and contrast uh, sour and sweet and tart and various forms of chocolate which are my favorite but it helped kevin decide on a roast and a bean and a process that got to flavors that i really liked that's the end of your flavor profiling all right using those things um the descriptors that you gave me, um, as well as uh, how, how much you liked and disliked things, and then just watching your reactions to them, too. Um, there's, there's a body language part to it. Um, you know, there, there is a part of coffee that's relaxing, and I'm actually watching for you while you're eating things to go. Hmm. Or it's, pretty, it's pretty subtle. But noticeable. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about your equipment selection. Okay. And then we're going to drink coffee. Cool. The way I'm going to traditionally, somebody might do this as a cupping. It's a traditional way to make 
to taste coffee. I do cuppings too. I like cuppings. It's a real good way to differentiate small flavors. The, the thing is that I'm trying to be a little more practical. You're not going to do a cupping at your house in the morning. You right. are going to drink an AeroPress or a French press or, or a Mr. Coffee or an espresso. So I really want to make some coffee that's going to represent what you're going to end up, how, how you're going to make coffee and how those flavors are going to come out. So I'm going to end up doing four French presses today. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm going to be using the same grind and water temperature and uh, infusion time. So the only variable that we're going to have is coffee. Um, the end goal isn't necessary to find you the coffee that you like. Mm-hmm. Really, the end goal is for you to translate all those things that you just told me, all those flavors, into your coffee. So you're going to taste the coffee and go, okay, I taste this, 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 and this. And those correspond to the things that you like or don't like. So um, we're, we're going to go down that line of coffee. But now we need to talk about what, what, how much you want to spend, how much time you want to spend, what you already have, how we can build on that. Yeah. So tell me, you have a... I have an Ebrick. <clears throat> I have an Aeropress. An Ebrick? Mm-hmm. What's that? It's the little Turkish copper Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Turkish. Okay. Um, with the long handle. Yep. I've got an Aeropress. Okay. And I've got a Mr. Coffee, of course. Okay. And then um, I have a pour over, a little copper pour over. What, what shape is it? Is it conical? conical? Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, kettle? I do, but it doesn't have controls. So I've so got just, a, Is it a stovetop or is it electric? Electric. Okay. Which almost burned the house down. It kept power cycling for some reason it was the light was off but it kept clicking for like two days i was like i want to replace that yeah it's unplugged (laughs) um scale now no okay um do 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 grinder blade blade grinder okay uh you told me 50 bucks 100, 100 bucks yeah okay and I mean, we can go ab- above and below that, but mm-hmm. what, what we can do is really kind of maximize that. Um, the first thing is that just to take the, the variable out, we're going to put in a $10 scale. Okay. Um, you need to replace your kettle, but that's because you don't want to burn your house down. <laughs> and not because it's, it's bad. So yeah. however you want to do that. Um, and I can help you with that. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not a necessary piece. Um, grinder. There are, uh, there's the, uh, Cuisinart makes a grinder, a burr grinder. It's, it's decent for pour overs and stuff. Um, it doesn't grind fine enough for espresso, but who cares? Okay. Capresso makes one too. There's quite a few in the forty and fifty dollar range. Um, I'll send you a list of those things. Cool. But, but you need a you need a burr grinder. Um, uh, really, for almost if you like the idea of doing the the hand grinding and you like just the idea of going through it, 
I would get one also. Okay. They're cheap. Yeah, I would. 10, 15 bucks. Yeah, like for weekends or... And tra- like travel, like if you're going to go uh, camping or oh. whatever, you <clears throat> make an AeroPress in the morning. Woo-hoo! <laughs> all right. You know, go skiing, make make an AeroPress in the tailgate of your car or something. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things you can do. Right, but uh, there's actually, the, there's a there's an Instagram like tag and it's all these dudes that uh, make, they're all world traveler dudes and like plane travelers and I'll, I'll be doing this at some point but now they're they're making AeroPress at their seat like, and that's like the deal like look what I did today <laughs> on the plane on the plane <laughs> okay so let's say <clears throat> 40 for the burr grinder so we're at 50 um you've got an AeroPress the kettle need a new kettle yeah you can yeah you can do a new kettle and you know what if you're if your budget is hundred bucks, I would get a variable kettle um, with a gooseneck. Oh, okay. So instead of having like the spout like this, I need to get a gooseneck. Okay. Um, it's particular for pour. I did my first pour over this morning I, ever. I just don't do do them. Yeah. I have them, but I just don't do them. Jessica got a pour over thing, so she asked me to make a pour over this morning. So I was like, oh, with that regular kettle spout, like I just got to be more careful. Mike. <laughs> there's just no way to do it. It's so, you always have to like move it into something else first. So um, you, you get a variable gooseneck. All right. Um, again, that you know, you can go 30. I would, I would spend 50 on one plus just because the cheaper ones will crap out. Okay. So we're, that's 100 bucks right there. All right. Um, your Mr. Coffee. Uh, you know, sparingly for big groups. Uh, do you use paper filters? Yes. Get a gold filter. Okay. Um, that that'll change things a lot too. Um. But you know, start with good coffee and weigh it, and that'll do do really well. The Turkish stuff is actually a finer grind than espresso. Oh yeah, it's like powder, right? Um. So this pepper grinder. Yeah. It's actually a Turkish coffee grinder. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it really is. It's a powder. So, um, you know, one thing you can do is when you're grinding stuff out, the cheaper burr grinders still have what's called fines. So it'll still make some powder. Like if you want to get real crazy, like for a few weeks, just uh, sift your grinds before you put them into your air press or French press and get those fines and then make a Turkish coffee with it when you have enough. Yeah. Which it probably wouldn't be that. It probably wouldn't, you'd probably do that for a week and then get yeah. two or three things left. Um, for the AeroPress, um, Craig just did an equipment review on a uh, accessory that you can add to your AeroPress from Fellow. It's called a Fellow Prisma. And it, and it actually allows you to make um, crema. Oh, so that's cool. So there's there's other things. Uh, are you using paper filters with AeroPress? Uh, yeah. Those are. Do you, are you wetting them down too before you use them? Yes. Okay. So the paper filters are good with AeroPress. I actually prefer metal, um, because it allows the oils to come through. Oh. The okay. paper takes the oils out. Um, the metal can uh, add a little bit of an off flavor, but the coffee and the water is hitting the metal for such a short period. Okay. It's not much. Those metal filters are about ten bucks. Um. Amazon, you know. So, I'll send you all the information. What I what I do with all my 
clients is uh, I make a, an Amazon list and it basically has good, better, best for everything that we talk about. Oh, wow. Okay. And like as you want to upgrade or as you want to buy a piece of equipment, that list is always there. And you can always add to it or All right. whatever. Um, and fellow prisoner. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll send you some options on the goosenecks. The scales are easy, but I'll send you a couple. And the bird grinders, I'll send you a couple right. of that too. And then a uh, hand grinder. There's like, it's crazy if you look on Amazon, there's like 20 companies selling the same exact one. Fulfilled by Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's your equipment. All right. Um, in the morning, tell, tell me how much time you want to spend making a cup of coffee. Or what's your process? How, how do you want to... I would like to have um, a fast option. And then I'd also like to have sort of the more uh, craftsman option for... Like if I'm not going to the, the gym or weekends right. and take time to do it. Okay, cool. So can't... And you've done AeroPress enough. Mm-hmm. Is, is AeroPress a fast enough option? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, great. So AeroPress is going to be your da- fast daily option. Okay. And pour over is going to be your weekend option. Oh, cool. Um, this is also going to matter on which coffees we choose to. Uh, your fast daily option is probably going to be more bold and chocolatey. And your weekend option is probably going to be more of that fruit flavor stuff. Um, for one, because pour overs really shine there. They can mm. really bring that out. And for two, on the weekends, the boldness is just kind of less required. I mean, like, <laughs> you're there to enjoy it, right. savor it, sit. So um, you can obviously mix both. All right. You can do it however you want to do it. And you can experiment by using different beans in different deals. The AeroPress also brings out strawberry flavors like a crazy crazy person I mean, oh like, wow it's awesome uh but uh you're not gonna get as bold a flavor from your pour over no matter what or you actually can get into some pretty nice bold stuff with arrow so there you go all right uh, this is gonna come in your email your q grade coffee package um all this information uh so now Want to drink some coffee? Yes. Sweet. So I'm going to make four coffees for you. They're going to be... They're going to be hitting different parts of this spectrum. Only basically do the same thing. I'm going to drink the coffee. Talk about what you, what you taste. And if whether you like it or not. And we're going to do ratings. Okay. Um, I am going to be serving that coffee in an order that... That makes sense to me. I'm not going to tell you yet. I will tell you afterwards. But um, it's it's kind of kind of like you know when you go to a brewery and you get a flight. Yeah. And then and they end up with the double IPAs and, and stouts. It's similar to that. But um, but we're not necessarily going from light to bold. We're just going from preferred flavor profiles to other preferred flavor profiles. So that's what we'll be doing. So Kevin is taking four scales out of a pelican case with custom foam inserts. 
Like I said, we'll need shots of this. I have travel. <laughs> I will travel. Uh, and have, if you'd like for me to do your corporate event, I will come do flavor profiling <laughs> with all your rich sea level people. All right. All the coffee that we'll be drinking today is from local roasters in Colorado Springs. I have a really nice coffee in my shelf right now. It's from um, Eighth and Roast in Nashville. Like them a lot. Awesome coffee. But it's what I have my espresso dialed in for right now, and I'll make you an espresso at some point. Okay. But in the morning. Yeah. Post spoon. <laughs> <laughs> So there's things that we're that I'm gonna teach you right now before we drink coffee. When you buy coffee and you look at the label, there's some things that you want to look for and things you want to avoid. I believe it or not, I have some coffee in my shelf that is avoid coffee. To keep things objective, I don't want you to read where it's from or anything. I'm going to point at something, and I want you to read it. All right. Right there. 100% Arabica coffee. If the package says that, probably avoid it. All right. Here's the reason. Okay. See all this? 100% Arabica coffee. It's all Arabica coffee. That is on there to let you know that they think that you're dumb and that you think that it's a big deal. <laughs> There's a lie in every advertisement. So what's the origin of that? What's um, Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, there was a company called something. I can't remember the name of it. But they were big for their cowboy coffee. Okay. And they put that on the label, and their sales went through the roof overnight. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew coffee. They were the first company to do it. And it was like, this is the best because it's 100% Arabic. It's all 100% Arabic. I mean, there are robustos. There's other coffees that go in, but pretty much anything you buy as a consumer, okay. unless it's a specialty good, is 100% Arabic. Okay. So avoid that. Okay. If it has an expiration date on it, Avoid that. Coffee expires in three weeks. Yeah. Um, what you want to look for are these things. Country of origin. Um, and this, and it's better the more specific it gets. So this has even a region. Oh, wow. Um, sometimes you even get down to fields, particular co-ops, particular fields. So the more specific it gets, and this is the initial part, like know where your coffee comes from. So this uh, has the process on it. So this is a washed coffee. It's from Mexico. Uh, and then, the, and then t- and it was roasted on February 13th. And there's notes from it, from the roaster. Those are all things you want, want to see on your bag of coffee. Okay. Uh, some of mine don't have roasted dates. Because I got them from Sam at Switchback, 
and he's just an excited coffee kid, and he just throws coffee into bags for me. Um, but I know when it's rested, and this is still good. Um, anyway, so all the coffee we're drinking today is from Building 3 Roasters and Switchback Roasters. It's going to be a mix of those two roasteries. Um, and we're going to go through some of these flavors and see how you like everything. All There's right. going to be a lot of grinding and boiling here, so... Um, cue the, uh, the <laughs> elevator music. <laughs> we'll go to a commercial. We are rolling now. Well, after a fine Mexican dinner at Monument's best Mexican restaurant with incredible mole, some Casamigos tequila, it's early morning, and we are now going to do the coffee tasting. So Hold I can't on. wait. Can, I, can, I, can we do a plug? Yeah. Um, I want to correct you as well, because you undersold it. <laughs> the best Mexican restaurant in Colorado is in a strip mall in Monument, Colorado, next to the Safeway. I would agree with that. And it's called uh, Harito Loco. It's owned by a couple named Angel and Angie. And it is, as far as I'm concerned, the best Mexican restaurant in Colorado. Yeah, I, it's incredible. And I am a little picky with Mexican food. It's not Tex-Mex, it's Mexican food. It's moles, and it's yeah. all handmade. They just... Describe the corn tortilla you had. <laughs> it was as thick as probably four sheets of paper and just tender and chewy. And dipping it in the mole sauce was, the, the mole was spicy and chocolatey and creamy and thick. It was just, it was incredible. So there's there's a shout out. Uh, Burrito Loco, Monument, Colorado. Go eat there. All right. All right. So uh, we are um, going to do four coffees um they're all going to be french press they're all going to be the same water temperature and the same grind so we're eliminating variables <clears throat> a lot of times in professional settings uh, you do a thing called a cupping and basically you take a ramekin and you put coffee in it you pour water and you let it sit you dip a spoon in it it's a way it's a, it's basically a, a similar way to control um, how coffee tastes and take variables out. We're doing a similar situation with French presses. One of the reasons is um, you get to drink a lot more coffee this way. It's not spoonfuls at a time. Yeah. And for two, this is actually more practical. This is how you're going to make coffee at home. So um, we're going to be doing four uh, very different ones. Um, you don't know. Uh, what four coffees I'm about to give you. No, I don't. So uh, I want you to do use describers like you did before with the um, the flavor profiling with fruits and vegetables. We're going to be doing palate cleansing too. Um, and it's going to go pretty quickly. 
we're gonna you're not gonna be drinking full cups of coffee here we're, you're gonna be drinking quarter cups so you're basically gonna drink one cup of coffee through it but um you use descriptors and um i'm gonna throw a curveball in here for you too all right yeah so here we go uh, there's gonna be a lot of grinding and noises so i'll try to number one there's a part of a technique that I want you to watch too that's a very important coffee brewing process that most normies most normal people and most uh, some coffee shops skip this so I give you permission you and everybody else that graduates from Q grade you get a French press at a shop and they don't do this, I'm allowing you to nerd out and tell them to start or stop and start start from scratch. Okay. There's a process at the beginning of making coffee called the bloom. Um, it's kind of like tempering an egg. Uh, you basically take the weight of the coffee that you're making. Uh, so right now we're using 14 or sorry, 15 grams of coffee. I'm going to pour 30 grams of water onto that coffee and and let it actually bloom. And you'll you'll see it. It's called a bloom. It, it, the CO2 starts to release from the coffee. Oh. And also the water infiltrates the inside of the, the cells. Uh, if you dump water on it all on its own, coffee becomes bitter because that, that um, degassing process doesn't happen. And you also only take the oils that are on the outside of the cell walls instead of on the inside as well. So... We're gonna do that this morning. You're gonna see it. You're gonna see the bloom, <clears throat> and then after we uh, run the bloom, I'll add the rest of the water. All right. Here we go in the bloom. Thirty grams, pretty quick. So thirty grams of water. Stir it. And you want to hit every. Make sure that every granule of coffee is wet. And equally exposed to water. Okay. I'm going to give that 30 seconds. And then we are going to go to the full uh, pour, which for 15 grams of coffee in a French press is... Uh, 175 grams of water. Okay. So these French presses, uh, would you call these single serving, double serving? They're not a full... Yeah, these are smaller French presses. Okay. Um... You could do like one a one uh, like a single serving of French press is about thirty grams of coffee. Um, I'm doing halves, so this is fifteen grams of coffee with one hundred and seventy five grams of water. Uh, as you can see, we're about halfway yeah. up the French press. So um, the 
uh, we're going to let them all sit for four minutes um, post-bloom. So that's going to be the brewing time, basically. <clears throat> While that one's sitting there, I'm going to start prepping the second one. Um, this is why we have four scales and four French presses. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And we can start the process now for the next one. next so I moved my notes to the other <laughs> two behind me totally blind study uh, it is so I'm weighing out the same exact weight of coffee for the next round so on the grind is that something that is set for a French press or is there a um, a um spacing setting on the grinder or so how does it, that so uh there's not like standard grinder settings like okay. across the board every grinder operates differently so um right now i'm using uh an uh Baratza encore uh and my setting's just under 30 um that's a pretty good setting for french press that i've found um, if you really dial it in, you know, you're even changing your grind per bean and time. But um, today we're standardizing everything. So we're eliminating those variables. But. Well, it's a fairly coarse ground, right? It, that's what fair, I was Yeah, Fr French press is a fairly coarse okay. ground. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why that the uh, French press, why you let it sit for four minutes as well. Because there's less surface area for sure. the water to touch because the grind is closer. The first time I ever used a French press, <clears throat> we had won it or somewhere. I can't remember where it came from, but... I had used drip coffee in it, so kind of a finer ground, mm -hmm. and kind of hard to push down. But yeah, <laughs> I threw some water in there, and then tasted it, and it was the strongest and best coffee I think I'd ever had. And then thirty minutes later, I thought my heart was going to explode. So, all right, we're exactly four minutes. I'm pushing this plunger on the first cup of coffee. Okay, pretty fast plunge. Yeah. Does that matter? Does the speed the, the, at which you the, plunge? The plunge actually comes down to um, how coarse that, that bean oh, okay. is. So if you're using like a fine ground yeah. and you start to push down and it gives you pushback, yeah. that's just because your grinds are too fine. All right. Um, there you go. So I love this. We're actually at two hours, kind of like elapsed time, and we're getting to a cup of coffee, which is great. I don't know. You're getting a quarter, quarter cup of coffee. So what do you smell in there? Um, I'm going to say it's kind of sweet. And uh, be really, want you to be really aware yeah. and critical. Taste it now? Yep. 
So the body is amazing of the coffee. And I can tell it's coffee, but it's kind of thin. I mean, the, or not the, the flavor is thin. The mm -hmm. body is thin, is thick, but the flavor is thin. Mm -hmm. Like I can tell it's coffee, but I couldn't tell you exactly. It's smooth. There's no bitterness at all. Mm -hmm. But not a lot of flavor either. Yeah, I like it, but it's nondescript. It's like there's a couple beers here. And can I can I give you a descriptor that yeah, might fit? Yeah. Do you taste um, like paper or cardboard? Muskiness. Yeah, I'd say musky. All right. So that was yeah. your that was your trick coffee. Okay. That is a. I'm not going to tell you what the roaster is. It's a very fine roaster and we're very highly rated, great roaster yeah. that makes great beans that were roasted in October. Huh. And that... it's now February. So <laughs> this is the equivalent of the freshest coffee that you can get at the grocery store. Okay. It's not awful. It's just there's not much there. But that's your baseline. All right. <laughs> now, here's another piece of the puzzle. I normally don't do this with people. I normally don't give them bad coffee. But, and this is good coffee. It's just yeah, old. old. So I wanted you to taste, to start that as a baseline. Okay. Okay. I bloomed the second coffee. I'm making the pour on it. I dumped the rest of that cup because I didn't want Matt to have to be subjected to <laughs> any more old coffee. But um, yeah, what I was gonna say, it's like some beers I've had at some microbreweries where it's foamy, it's fizzy. I can tell it's alcohol. I know it's beer, but if I had to describe it to somebody, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, there's not much there. No, yeah, <clears throat> not a single taste profile that stands out. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to get to that pretty much on your own, <laughs> and that I'm not making this shit up. Right? Yeah, there's nothing there. <clears throat> um, this next cup of coffee will have some flavors. Oh, so good. Be prepared. <laughs> um, lots, lots of them. The next three will be uh, will be pretty good. So, um, when we, this is one of the beans. I, I'm not going to lead you too far, but I'm going to kind of tell you what you're going to be looking for. Um, and, and it's kind of a recap from, from yesterday, too. Uh, you start off with a cherry. You take that cherry and you remove the skin from it, let it ferment. And when I say remove the skin, that doesn't mean it actually gets removed. There's two processes. One process is a natural process. That's where the skins actually sit with the bean uh, while it ferments. And then there's a wash process where the skin gets removed from the bean. And those skins and those flavors can get in into the beans. Um, so if you are drinking natural processed coffees, a lot of times you're going to taste some uh, tartness and some huh. fruit flavors. Uh after you have those beans and let them fermented, then you roast them. There's dark to light roasts. 
everything in between those the the time the way that you roast those beans and in the, in the the heat that you use and the length of time and all that stuff it changes the chemical compounds in the beans it turns from those green beans that taste like nothing to coffee um the darker the roast the more of the chocolate flavors you're gonna get obviously i mean it's kind of similar to roasting malt which is a beer thing but anyway uh and then the lighter you get, the more caffeinated it actually is, and you'll you'll actually get some bitterness on that side. <coughs> but it's not it's not necessarily bad bitterness; it's just bitterness. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's introducing the water to the roasted or in the ground bean. So the, these beans are ground fairly coarse. We're adding water and blooming it, letting it sit there for four minutes. The bloom is really important. But also the water temperature is really important. I was going to ask, what's the water temperature today? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you this. It's below boiling. Okay. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Got it. But um, the lower temperatures you use really do better at bringing out those florals and those those fruity flavors. And the higher temperatures you use, the bolder, uh, more chocolatey flavors come out. So you, you, be, you can adjust your water temperature per bean. One of the things about living up here is that um, at 7,400 feet, which is where we are now, which is pretty high, um, water doesn't get to 212. Do you know how high the maximum temperature of water at this altitude is? 195? Yeah, something, something like that. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite a bit lower than boiling. So we can't uh, uh, achieve boiling unless we pressurize water anyway. Um, so one of the things that's great about drinking coffee at higher altitude is a lot of the bitterness oh. doesn't get there. I mean, because your water's not hot enough to bring out a lot of that, the chocolatey, the bitterness from the, the back end. Huh. If you have really, really lightly roasted coffee, you can still bring out bitterness that way. And sometimes, uh, coffee shops and roasters actually make that adjustment on purpose in higher altitudes oh, no to bring kidding. some bitterness in. Yeah. Huh. So we're at four minutes exactly on your number two coffee. I've rinsed your mug. I get a little bit too because <laughs> I want some. Mm, that's kind of <clears throat> just even the scent smells okay. like I know this is going to be a good Cup, it's going to be different. What do you smell? Mouth open. I want to say it is chocolate. A, a drastic difference from the first one. So part of it is the age of the bean. Those were freshly ground beans that have been kept in an airtight container since October. So the first the first round. Yeah. So basically five, six-month-old beans. These are fresh. Um, wow, it's... <clears throat> The thing I'm noticing is that 
Um, I, as part of my quiz, I do put cream in my coffee if I have it or if I go to a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Cream and sugar wouldn't add anything to this. It would actually make it worse. And because it's not boiling hot, I don't need the cream to cool it down a little bit. But that's just amazing. No, no squirts. No squirts in my coffee. A lot of people put cream and sugar in their coffee because they need to mask it. It's kind of like um, when cocktails were invented during Prohibition because they were making shitty booze and they needed to <laughs> mask the flavor a little bit. Um, it would be like me pouring you a really nice, you know, 10-year-old rye and then pouring some Coke into it. Yeah, there's actually... When I taste it, I'm initially confused because there's almost um, a liquor or alcoholic uh, component to it Mm -hmm. that is just a depth of flavor that I've rarely experienced drinking coffee. Yeah, like, um, I don't know, like a Kahlua or something. There's just a, a heaviness and a body to this that if I didn't know better... If I were to say... Amaretto, would that make sense? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's just... I'm just guiding you. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. But Yeah, yeah, I struggle for the descriptors on taste and scent. I know that, but yeah, it's just... Just because you haven't had any coffee yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an hour, I'll be a thesaurus. <laughs> no, it's just... <clears throat> and even taking larger sips, knowing that there's two more, I feel like I'm rushing through it and I don't want to or need to. Like this is something that needs to be savored. Mm-hmm. So it's taking it from something that is in a travel mug in my car to get me awake to something that could color the morning completely differently. Like I see this as part of my morning meditation, my morning journaling, and then having this which is not time intensive at all for no, a for a, a just a morning experience like how you know looking out at the snow here in the pine trees it's like this is what <laughs> could be just a, a very simple pleasure i because i'm a, a research and follow through and wow nerd guy i uh I don't accept generalities really easily. So when people go, I don't want to make coffee at home because it takes too much time. My next question is, how much time does it take? <laughs> <laughs> That's a logical question. For that. you off of that one let you continue oh okay continue to mm. taste while we do the bloom on number number three here let's just smell number three mm. does maddie like that that smells amazing 
do the bloom. It's a very important part. Don't forget it. What I what I could do next time you come in for a Q grade coffee class two oh two. We'll do a lot more experimentation. And I'll make you identical French presses, one with a bloom, one without. Yeah. And it'll make a lot more sense. <clears throat> and then after that you will you will yell at baristas. Just be nice. <laughs> I'm you, always and nice. And if you end up yelling at them, just tip them an extra couple bucks. Bounce the mug off their forehead. <laughs> Lebowski style. <laughs> I love that scene. They get your jerk off name, your jerk, your jerk off face. <laughs> Throws a coffee mug at his head. <laughs> I'm so excited because uh, Elizabeth went, my daughter went bowling a couple weeks ago and I asked her if she's seen the big Lebowski and I was like, oh my God, you're in for a treat. So Jessica, like two weeks ago, we were just like sitting around like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? And she goes, let's watch the Big Lebowski. And I looked at her right in the eyes and I go, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your bloom is uh, complete with coffee number three. We're using 175 grams of water total. And why do we use weight instead of scoops, Matt? It's precise. Because scoops are for ice cream. <laughs> Trademark. Remember to hear first. I'm going to go ahead and grind your fourth. Okay. We're going to go a little more back-to-back -back on those. Um. So the size bags you have there, that's obviously not a pound of coffee. How much is that? Let's see. It's uh, 130 grams. So Cole can tell us how many pounds it is. <laughs> <laughs> But as part of my Q-grade system at home, would I be buying coffee in those size bags? No, you'd be buying a, about a pound at a time. Okay. For one, that's standard. These bags aren't sold. These oh, those are, are like samplers. Yeah, these are um, given to me by my friends that are roasters. Okay. And so that particular one that I just poured out is from um, Building 3 Coffee. Uh, Sean's a, the owner and roaster in there. He's awesome. And... Um, he loves Q-Grade, and he gives me coffee so that I can teach people about coffee. I also buy coffee in there. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a customer. But uh, all, the, uh, all the samples we have today are from um, Building 3 and Switchback. Um, Switchback's down, in, down on the east side of downtown Colorado Springs. Uh, the roaster in there is named Sam. He's... Uh, a boy phenom. Yeah. He got number six in the U.S. Uh, barista competition this year. He's 19. Jeez. Um, and he's the head roaster and sorcerer. Like, not sorcerer. He's not a wizard, but he sources. Kind of. 
I mean, <laughs> depends on how much you like coffee. But uh, he he sources all the beans for and roasts the beans for Switchback too. He's awesome. So if you're if you're doing if you're ro- making coffee at home, and um, and there's two two people that are drinking coffee every day. The the variance in how much coffee you use really changes on what kind of machine you use. If you're making a French press for two every day, French press actually uses quite a bit of coffee. Oh. Um, like a full serving French press is 30 grams of coffee for like one full cup. Um, an espresso is about 13 grams of coffee. So you're running through twice as much coffee for a single serving. I mean, obviously espresso's yeah. less, but uh, you have four minutes on this dude too. We do a pallet cleanse. So, um, so at home, you buy one or two pounds at a time. Uh, if you want to extend the life of your beans a little bit, they have these. It's a coffee canister. There's about 100 companies that make them. There's a bunch of different designs. But it's basically an air, airtight and light tight canister. Oh. And it has a CO2 filter on top. So oh, it actually okay. allows the, the beans to degas. Wow. Um, <clears throat> It doesn't, you know, it's not an end-all, be-all. It's not like you can stick them in there for, you know, six months and they're okay. But it does slow down the process and allows you to keep your beans a little bit longer. So instead of 21 days, you know, talk about double it maybe. All right, number three. Number three. I hope you like coffee because I'm pouring you some. (laughs) And I'm pouring you some because I like coffee too. That should be wood. Is it? Is that what I'm smelling? Is some wood? Grassy. Yeah, definitely earthy. <clears throat> Wow, that's really good. So the first two coffees that you had were um, natural process. This is washed. So there's like a lack of a fruity flavor and acid. Yeah. And a lot more earthy tones. Wow. Put some words to it. Well, amazing is the first word, but <laughs> but it's such a smooth finish. Like I, the first hit that I get on the on the tongue is, I definitely know it's coffee, and my mind is kind of waiting for that bitterness, which never comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a coffee, but it's just it's thick and it's. Uh, flavorful and it's like one of these places where or it's a cup of coffee where I've had very rarely at more like hotels I think and maybe <laughs> even where the, where I know they've got a great process even though they're making huge batches of coffee for buffets or whatever Right. it's like that's so good why can't it taste like that all the time I 
So a lot of what you're experiencing right now is just the lack of bitterness that you're used to. Yeah. And, and acidity. And, and we're um, backing those off a lot just from the process. Um, and so you're able, when you, when you get a lot of that super bitterness out and super acidity out, and you get some body in there, there's flavors in there. Yeah. Like lots of them. And also, a big deal of what we're going through right now is you're seeing that coffee's not coffee. Right. So just grab some coffee beans. <laughs> what kind? What do you want to taste? I mean, like, it's, it really can change drastically from one thing to the next. Well, I mean, I can't say this enough. I mean, given the, the research and the, the profiling and all the work you've put into this, the tasting of the fruits and the chocolate and the, the couple of vegetables yesterday, the payoff for this, these three, now four quarter cups of coffee is just, it's blowing my mind how much of a difference this is making. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just education. It, it's really hard to, to, to. It's really hard to to be able to describe things and even even uh, pick them up on your own palate and translate them into a word. Yeah. Until you've broken them down. So when I started brewing beer, um, at home, in like, gosh, when was that? Two thousand, two thousand four. Um. I knew that what beer tastes like tastes like beer, and there's light beer and there's dark beer, and those beers were different. When I started taste making my own beer, you get to go into the, these brew shops, and they have these walls of grain. You're like, I have this, this many choices. I thought beer was just made with <laughs> like beer grain, and so you start to taste them individually and go, oh, that's what rye tastes like. Oh, that's what chocolate malt tastes like. Oh, that's what you know two rows tastes like, and then. And then when you get to the actual beer, you drink it and you go, oh, I recognize that singular flavor. Right. Because I've tasted it by itself. And then with the hops, you know, like, uh, it, it's funny to describe now. In, in 2004, when I started drinking beer and you said hops, people didn't know what it was. And like, aren't hops in beer? And then, uh, and then when they would taste things and go, oh, that's bitter. That's from the hops, but it's not. Bad bitterness. Right. And then when you go down and you actually get to hold the hops in your hand and rub them together and smell it, you're like, oh, that's what hops are by themselves. And uh, and so now you drink a beer and you're like, oh, I can taste you know certain types of hops or the amount of hops and I can actually take, like break it down and, and extract the hops and taste them by themselves. And then, you know, all, all the parts of the yeast they use in beer varies, you know, drastically between one thing and the other. You, you just got back from Belgium. Did you have any uh, wild beers, wild yeast, like a goose or a sour beers? Oh, yeah. That, that sour all the beers. That, <laughs> you had all the beers. Belgium's closed. I'm sorry. Belgium is closed. <laughs> so that that sourness doesn't come from the ingredients to go in the beer. That comes from the yeast. Yeah. And uh, so, but you, if you just drank it without that explanation and knowing what different yeast how they react. It tastes like, it just tastes like sourness. So that flavor profiling allows your brain to individually taste these flavors. And then uh, also assign 
individual words to those flavors. So I think that profiling is pretty neat. That was Jess that just sneezed. <laughs> All right. Coffee number four. Coffee four. Coffee four. Give, oh, it's just, we're not ready yet. Got to give it another 30 seconds here. Well, I'm just trying to envision how I put this into my morning. Like, this would be great to have my alarm go off. I could start the pot, grind, get everything ready to go. could go meditate, come back, make a cup of coffee, a single cup of coffee or a double. Mm-hmm. This would just be, this would be great. Yeah. And, and really, the, the process that you described as awesome and soothing and and most people don't go through it. Yeah. If you just make a cup of coffee and you, you boil the water and you, you actually are active the whole time. You're staring at it. You're watching the clock. Like I am right here. Yeah. The the entire process takes a whopping five minutes. You don't have to sit and stare at it. Once you pour the one, pour it past bloom, it just sits there for four minutes. So really, you're talking about like two active minutes of making coffee. So I know the answer to this question. I just want you to quantify it for me. If I ground the beans right before bed mm-hmm. and then uh, did this process in the morning, how much of an effect is that going to have on the flavor? So speed-wise, so we talk about the oxidation of, of coffee mm-hmm. as a whole bean. It's 20 21 days it starts to oxidize and as it's ground it's 20 to 30 minutes so I you know without doing any scientific research and just assigning an equivalent to it it would be like buying six month old beans okay um, there's actually <laughs> there's a clock I, I look at there's a website called uncrate Have you ever looked at that uncrate uncrate it's always yeah. like the g- cool gadgets and oh. you know Vintage sports cars that are on auction. And uh, I'm going to let you finish this. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's my aura. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's aura is blue. You know what that means? I don't. I don't <laughs> I've never seen one before. That's spiritual enough, I guess. Um, this, uh, I'll say this is my favorite. Is that funny? That's funny that that's your favorite. Of the, the three real ones, not the, but. So here, here's a funny thing. And now that Jessica's staying behind you, I've seen this a few, few times. The fourth cup of coffee, it's your favorite? Is it the same as the And I go, yes, I know. <laughs> I've hand selected those coffees and the fourth one's supposed to be your favorite. Yeah, it is. According to your flavor profile. Yeah. Yeah. You scored really high in uh, chocolates and uh, darker fruits like prunes. And uh, that's where we're sitting right now with this. Yeah, I love it. It's absolutely amazing. That's a... um, This is a coffee that comes from uh, Building 3. (laughs) 
<laughs> so this is the coffee that you're drinking? Los Cedros. It's washed from the Huehue Tenago. Ten, uh, Tenago. Impressions are brownies, nutty, red delicious apple, clean finish from Guatemala. That's bonkers. Pretty good. <laughs> Um, we, we did jump around quite a bit. We, uh, had some, uh, Eastern African coffee. Okay. And we had some stuff from Central and South America. Um, the, the different regions of the world actually produce some, some notes that are pretty similar to each other. So when, when we get down to that flavor profiling, we, we can actually steer what beans to buy and it's not necessarily exactly what beans to buy. Um, but it gives you a pretty good idea of what region you're going to like for certain things. So here's another funny thing that I suggest for you. Your flavor profile is real, real wide and you like a lot of flavors. So I'd say this is your daily driver. Okay. This is the coffee you make every morning. And the coffee that uh, you can savor on, on the weekend and sit around in your robe and your slippers and, and really just kind of think through a cup of coffee would be this guy. And which one's that one? <clears throat> Number two. That is an, an Ethiopian arty. Oh. Um, Ethiopian coffees tend to be very fruity. Uh, in particular, if you get one from a higher altitude, you're talking about <clears throat> dried strawberries are really potent. Um, and and it's it's a lot more of uh, not just when when we say dark, not just in color but flavor too. So uh, Ethiopian coffees are lighter. And so if you get a lighter roast and uh, a lighter bean like that, and you, and you French press or in the arrow press, they're smashing. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, uh, different, different cups of coffee for different days. And you drink enough where you can buy two pounds, put them in a coffee container, and, and both stay fresh long enough to get through them. And uh, also, like what I like to do, is make coffee for other people when they come over. So the cool thing about that is that you burn through your coffee faster and it gives you an excuse to go back to the roaster and go try other things. <laughs> Buy a new bike. Yeah, <laughs> it's new bike time. <clears throat> so um, it really is kind of fun having an extravagance like this, like when, when people come over to the house and you say, hey, do you want a cup of coffee? And they say, yeah. You hand grind Way bloom, pour them a single cup of coffee and tell them about it, and it's it's almost it, it's. Uh, so yesterday was a little political. Today will be a little biblical. Um, there's there's a story that's actually told three times in the Bible, three different places, about uh, Jesus uh, being taken care of by the people that followed him around and, and were his friends. And in this particular story, a woman pours some oil on his feet to clean his feet. And a normal tradition was to, to clean your guest's feet because feet were dirty. Um, we have a, You put on slippers when you come to our house, but um, in those times you washed your guest's feet and you put a little bit of oil on it. If you were going to be extravagant, you would pour some oil on somebody's feet. And so this woman... Um, poured an entire year's salary worth of oil out on Jesus' feet. And uh, 
there's another woman in the room that questioned her, like, what are you doing? You think about what you could do with all that oil. And she, and Jesus himself said, but that's how she wants to take care of me. That's how she can take care of me. So for me, this is biblical. Like when you come over to the house, I'm not going to pour you a cup of coffee. I'm going to make you your cup of coffee and I'm going to pour extravagance on you through that. So, uh, it, it ties back to that too. This is how I take care of people. And, and the, the flavor profiling is really, <clears throat> truly, I mean, like it's neat, right? You get to learn all those flavors and all that stuff. But for me, I get to spend two hours with you learning about you and getting to know you better. So it's a, uh, it's a two way experience. I, I love doing it because I like getting to know people. Well, I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, uh, like I said, you and I are friends. We've known each other for a very long time. But as a professional experience, this is something that I think everybody should do. If you have, even if you're not a huge coffee drinker, but you like flavors or wine or cheese or something to experience this as part of your uh, just education, it would be a fantastic experience. And so where can people find you and find everything about this and, and book a flavor profile. So, um, I have a website, qgradecoffee.com, uh, Instagram feed, qgradecoffee. And, uh, my email address is qgradecoffee at gmail.com. Um, all three ways or you can get to me. The website, I don't know, I don't know it has a contact thing. I'll put all that stuff. Yeah, in throw, throw it up there. But <coughs> um, yeah, come come find me, and uh, if you're uh, if you're close by, I'd love to have some coffee with you. If you live far away and you want to pay for a plane ticket, then I'd love to have some coffee with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so worth it. It was. It's just like we had talked about before about your personality. Like you're not pretentious. There's none of this that is snooty or uh, pretentious about this at all. It's just here's some science and some details and some chemistry behind all this stuff that just make something that so many people do that's ordinary to something that's extraordinary without uh, a whole lot of extra effort. So it's great. Yeah. I love to uh, take care of you and I love you. I love you too, buddy. And uh, come have coffee whenever you want. All right. And now uh, we can do it offline, but I'm going to make you an espresso from my 1971 Lapavoni. <laughs> Wonderful. Kevin Mikoski, Q Grade Coffee. This has been just a, a fantastic couple hours that, uh, yeah, it's just a very cool experience. Thank you very much. Thank you.